This is WWE superstar Charlotte Flair, and you're listening to Wells Mania Podcast. Woo! Let's go! Yeah! You're listening now. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now running wild with the most underrated wrestling podcast in the world, Wells Mania Podcast, and I am your host, the Kyle Wells, and the Wells Mania Podcast is sponsored by the best damn karaoke bar in America, the Wild Beaver Saloon, and the best damn toy store in Indianapolis, Toys Galore and more, conveniently located inside of the Toy Drop. Be sure to follow Wells Mania all over everywhere at Wells Mania. And wherever it is that you're running wild with the Wells Mania podcast, thank you so much. And joining me in studio, as always, is my co-host. He's hyped up, fired up, and he looks like he's soaking wet. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Peyton Payne. I am soaking wet. I just walked through a rainstorm to get here, but I was not going to miss this because, yes, even though I am drenched, I am as fired up as a Mustafar lava flow. That's a great reference right there. And we'll get into that, what exactly that means here momentarily. We do, man. We've got a very, very loaded show for you. And first of all, before we dive into all of what we're about to talk about, I want to thank you, the listener out there. Your love and support has been so overwhelming. And I appreciate each and every single one of you, the feedback on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, wherever it is that you give us that feedback, we greatly appreciate it. And yeah, as if you haven't been able to tell, we've gone a little bit outside of the squared circle. We've dove into the entertainment and the pop culture life and food. I mean, you never know what you're going to get on the Wells Mania podcast. No, I mean, the the term mania can encompass many a things. Absolutely. So, so far, I think it's working out. Wait a second. Hold up. Before we get into this very creepy, chilling grandfather clock and what this means when you hear it, there's something else that involves time that I think is a little bit more important. We're all about the segues here on the most underrated wrestling podcast in the world. And the reason why I am playing The Time is now by the greatest wrestler and WWE superstar of all time, 16-time world champion John Cena, friend of the Wells Mania podcast. And if you didn't know, I once drank a PBR with John Cena. No, really? Yeah. None of us ever knew that. One of the greatest nights of my life. And the reason why I'm playing The Time Is Now is because WWE has declared the month of June Cena Month in honor of John Cena's debut way, way back in the day. Seems a little unnecessary to me. I don't think so. I think it's absolutely fitting. But when you're Wells Mania, every day is John Cena Day. But we're getting the entire month of June. So if you follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Wells Mania, I will be posting a picture of John Cena every single day with a little fun fact, story, thought, whatnot. It's going to be a fun month, Peyton. You just lost a lot of followers. Well, without the uh, haters, John Cena would not have been as successful as he is. He is the greatest of all time. Now, here's another segue for you. Somebody who thinks that they're the greatest of all time, somebody who thinks that they are the greatest world champion of all time, and somebody who probably thinks that they are greater than John Cena. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the WWT world champion. Joining us via the Wells Mania Hotline, he is the greatest world champion of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ravishing Anton. Ravishing Anton, how's it going, champ? Are you already ready to leave this conversation? We we just literally got started. I, I, I got a, I got a I serious question. I haven't even question. bumped out your music yet. How did you get him to actually give give us this phone call? 
Honestly, I have no idea. Did you have to write a check or something? Listen, I threw the invitation out there, and Ravishing Anton accepted it. And one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on is because Ravishing Anton, you have been on an absolute tear since you defeated Mega Mondo. Mania, a dominant tear. Dominant tear. Great yeah, get it right, Wells. You, dominant. You've been on a dominant tear since you defeated Mega Mondo to become the new WWT World Champion earlier this year. You've got a big, and when I say big, I mean you've got a 400-plus pound opponent on June 5th at WWT Showcase 41, Blake Reed. What are you doing, Ravishing Anton, to get yourself prepared for your biggest challenge yet? Well, first off, Wells Mania, let me tell you something. Nothing, nothing, I mean nobody, gets bigger than me. I mean, I am the biggest thing in WWT right now. And Blake Reed, he's just a stepping stone on my path of greatness. Is why I stand alone at the top of the mountain in WWT, and everybody else is beneath me because I'm just on a whole nother level that they wish they can get to, but they won't. Well, you know what's interesting is you, you say stepping stone, but Blake Reed is more, I would say, like the size of a full-blown mountain. I mean, the guy is is massive, and you have faced guys like Mondo and even Justin Kyle. And the interesting part about when you faced Justin Kyle, that night all the way back at Showcase 6, Blake Reed was supposed to be the opponent for Justin Kyle that night, but he couldn't make it. So you stepped up to the plate and faced JK. The whole thing kind of comes full circle now where you will fight Blake Reed with the WWT title on the line. I mean, do you see this as like, do you have any nerves? Is this unfinished business? I mean, what if, what if Blake Reed gets in there and just manhandles you? Nervous? Why, why should I be nervous? I'm scared of nobody. I stepped up to a big challenge in the big guy, JK. Was I afraid of him? Hell no. All because some fat, out-of-shape slob named Blake Reed couldn't make it because he made an excuse. What's his excuse going to be this time? Not uh, My car couldn't start? What, I, I ran out of gas? I didn't have money for the tolls? What? I mean, I know I'm going to show up, but is he going to show up? So what what are you doing workout-wise to prepare for somebody the size of Blake Reed? Because, you know, the point I was I was trying to make a minute ago is whoa, whoa, you've whoa, never whoa, faced whoa, anybody whoa, listen, this big. Listen, man, if people need some gratuity, I'm not the person to give it to you for workout tips. Okay? I just don't do that. I don't do things for free. And I'm not going to spew what I've been doing workout-wise. Because really, I'm always the hardest worker in the room. It's my lifestyle. And it's my mantra since I've been born. That's why I'm ravishing. Now, you did mention gas. Gas is almost $5 a gallon. So I could see that being a legit excuse if Blake Reed decides not to show up this Sunday. Now, I, I have it on good authority. He will be there. Oh, he will be there. He told me Blake Reed will be there. Okay. Well, Ravishing Anton. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You broke some news. He's going to be there to get his ass kicked. That's all he's going to get. Now, you. Ravishing ass kicking. You've been very vocal on Twitter at Ravishing Anton. If, if you're not following. Ravishing Anton, do yourself a favor and hit that follow button. You've been on a, I mean, you've been a flamethrower on Twitter. Literally one of the most cocky Twitter accounts. More, and this is this is me giving you high praise here, Ravishing Anton. Your Twitter account is cockier than, dare I say, The Miz. Dare I say, MJF. And dare I even say, The Nature Boy. Woo! Ric Flair. I mean, Ravishing Anton, I'm going to give you credit where credit is due. You have been doing a tremendous job. We all know that you can get in the ring. We all know that you can walk the walk. But my goodness, man, you have been talking the talk on the social media. And let's be honest, you're already looking past this Sunday 
you're already looking past Blake Reed, hashtag, and still, hashtag, recognize me. So moving on past Blake Reed, who are some wrestlers out there who you personally would like to see challenge you for your WWT world title? List? I have no list, Wells Mania. And I'm glad you're finally starting to recognize me. You're you're finally starting to understand that. But really, I have no list. I surprise people so here and there. You have no it's list. Like you say. are the list, right? You yeah. are the list for everybody else. I am the list for anybody that wants to step up and get shut up. That's the way it's going to be. Because there's nobody that can defeat me when I'm on this on this path of greatness right now. Well, I would I would suggest Blake Reed thinks otherwise, but I am very much looking forward to that big money match this Sunday at WWT Showcase 41. And before we let you go, Ravishing Anton, because we know your time is very valuable and precious, is there anything that you want to say to Blake Reed, to Peyton, to me, to maybe Matt Brannigan, friend of the Wells Mania podcast, who just made his debut in AE He made his de- He made his debut in AEW. Any wrestler out there that might be listening that does Who? want to challenge you, what are your final words before we let you go and, and go back to whatever it is Ravishing Anton does? Blake Reed, I'm glad you're going to show up on Sunday. I really am. But the one thing that you're going to recognize besides me is that I'm just more ravishing than you and I'm going to beat your ass all over my ring, my tiger's lair that I've built from day one since I've been in WWT, and there's nothing you're going to do about it to take away my title and my greatness right now because I'm just that damn amazing, stunning, and gorgeous. I think that this podcast is now rated R for ravishing. Yep, that was the WWT World Champion ravishing Anton. Thank you again for taking the time and his big title defense this Sunday, June 5th. Peyton, where can people watch that match happen? You can watch ravishing Anton versus Blake Reed and all the other matches and exciting things coming at showcase 41 on youtube.com slash wrestle with this, the official YouTube channel, the home of WWT. Well, I cannot wait for that, but I've waited three years for this. We're going to talk about season four of Stranger Things when we come back. You're listening to episode 67 of Wells Mania Podcast. Thank you so much for running wild right here on episode 67 of Wells Mania Podcast. And right now I'm going into my DJ mode because this is the number one song in all of America, 1985's Kate Bush running up that hill. Undertaker, I can beat you. So let's do it. You and me one more time at WrestleMania. That's a deep cut, everybody, if you know your WWE history. Do you know what I'm talking about, Wells? I believe that was the promo hyping up the epic rematch between The Undertaker and the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. WrestleMania 26. However, Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush was not no. the version of this banger. It was a cover. It was Placebo's yes. Running Up That Hill. But there's the wrestling tie-in. And the reason why I'm bumping in this segment 
with Kate Bush's running up that hill from 1985 is because this is the number one song in America thanks to season four of Stranger Things. And honestly, Peyton, I was going to let this entire song play out, but let's fade it out because we're running up that hill and running out of time. See what I did there? Yes, very clever. Stranger Things season four, volume one, You and I have both watched it, and my goodness, this by far is the best season of Stranger Things to date. And for all those who have not seen it yet, consider this right here your spoiler alert. And if you haven't seen it, and you continue to listen, you will feel the wrath of Vecna's curse. Yeah, in the grandfather clock, I played that in the last segment, and I was going to tell everybody what that is. That When you hear that sound, that means Vecna, who is the villain in season four of Stranger Things, who, by the way, reminds me a lot of Freddy Krueger, And I don't know about you, Peyton, but this feels like a tremendous homage to A Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, the actor who played Freddy Krueger was in this season of Stranger Things. Robert England is Victor Creel. And where do we even start? There's so much going on. And after watching volume one of Stranger Things, everything is starting to tie in together. Now, the reason why I say volume one is because volume two comes out July 1st. Mm-hmm. And all of these episodes have been fantastic. And they've all been very meaty, very lengthy. Yes. And season four, we got delayed because of the pandemic, but they have made up for it. It was definitely worth the three-year wait. It was definitely worth the wait. Every episode over an hour long. I think every episode is over an hour and 15 minutes. And, you know, this ep- this season is also very dark, very brutal. This show has definitely matured with the age of the children that have been watching it. And we're not going to pay attention to the fact that they aged three years. No. And it's only been what not even it's been i think like six months something like that but no this show has i mean there was some really brutal disturbing stuff in this season and i was going to try to get us to do this episode of wells mania podcast at the hawkins laboratory but i couldn't get in like they have it very well guarded and well it was worth a shot, but I, I don't. don't know, I don't know if we want to go in there anyway. I don't know if I'd want to go anywhere near Hawkins in general. And for those that don't know, Stranger Things takes place in Indiana, in a very uh, fictional city of Hawkins, Hawkins, Indiana. Not a real city. This season, and I can't express it enough. This is the best season of Stranger Things yet. The storytelling has been amazing. The character development has been amazing. The villain Vecna has been amazing. We now found out that there were more of Eleven's kind at the Hawkins Laboratory. We found out that there were over, what, at least 17 kids that we know of. The biggest reveal was with Vecna himself being number one. Wow, Peyton, come on, man. I was walking up to that. We gave people the spoiler warning. So well, you know, I was, I was setting the scene, and then I was going to reveal ah, that whatever that, you wait, you take too long. That one Vecna was number one, and it was an awesome reveal. So Eleven has lost her powers. In order for her to get her powers back, she has returned. Well, in her mind, she has returned to the Hawkins Laboratory, but really, she is in a underground lair in Nevada, and um. Owens is there, Paul Reiser's character, and Papa. Yeah. Papa uh, is back. Played by Matthew Modine. So Papa is trying to get Eleven's powers back, but not only back, stronger than ever before. Mm -hmm. But in order for her to do that, she has to remember. And all throughout this season, 
we are under the impression that Eleven was the one who went full Anakin Skywalker and killed all the kids, her brothers and sisters. Yeah. But that turned out to be not the case. It was actually one. Yes. Who And, and nobody knew who one was. No. There was this uh, teenage boy who actually turned out to be Victor Creel's son. Here, here come all the tie-ins here. Robert England's character's son turned out to be one, and he was the one, pun intended, that killed all of the kids in the Hawkins Laboratory. And yes, you'll love this, and we're going to talk more about Anakin Skywalker later. I have made the comparison that this was a Order 66 job. One was Anakin Skywalker, and he went in there and killed all of the young Jedis because they all have powers beyond belief. The similarities are very uncanny, Peyton. Yeah, very similar stories. But that story works so well, and it's been proven time and time again. You know, the the powerful one who was supposed to bring light but then ended up bringing the dark, and he he definitely brought the dark. I mean, he massacred all of those children, and then the, the big tie-in at the end was that's how the very first gate to the Upside Down was opened way back in the first season. We finally learned how the Demogorgon got into the world you know, tying all that in. And there's still some loose ends, though. We still don't know um, how the Mind Flayer fits into all this. We don't know if Vecna is working for the Mind Flayer, yeah, any of we, that stuff. We still don't even know who the Mind Flayer truly is. I mean, there's so many theories out there. Yeah. People think that it might be Will. Will might be the Mind Flayer. By the way, congratulations. Not only is it Cena Month, but it's Gay Pride Month. And Will, I believe, is going to be coming out as a openly gay character in Stranger Things, and I absolutely love that for him. I have the same feeling. I think they're highly hinting at that for that character. Uh, and, but they've been hinting at that, I think, since probably season one. I mean, the, it, it's been there. If, it's, if you've been paying attention, it's been leaning in that direction. But I got a question for you. Who would be your favorite character this season? Who is the MVP in your eyes this season? Because I know who I would pick. Well, I've always been a big fan of Steve Harrington. I think Steve Harrington has always been a badass. He's always the babysitter. Some things never change. But as far as like the character that has really had a strong showcase and has really dominated, I think it's got to be Max. I totally agree i think max has been the star of season four of stranger things i think the episode uh titled dear billy best episode of the season best episode hands down of the season where i mean she is literally running up that hill to try to escape vecna and vecna's curse and he he's trying to drop just just stones and all this stuff on top of her and she's it's slow motion it's just a haunting sequence but it's so good right because when vecna gets you in the upside down most of the time you're going to die but here's the crazy thing vecna can also kill you in reality too yeah like he snapped chrissy and patrick and uh the little nerd with glasses all three of them never stood a chance and we almost lost Max, but thanks to Kate Bush's 1985 banger that is now the number one song in America, Running Up That Hill, thanks to Dustin, because Dustin Henderson, probably the smartest characters in the entire Stranger Things franchise, he found out that the mind, and this is also Robert England's character, the mind can go different places when there's music that taps in the voice of an angel. Yeah. Victor Creel's character, Robert England there. So they were asking, what's Max's favorite song? What's her favorite song? And it was Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush, which, by the way, there's no escape. You can run up that hill, but there is no escape. That song is all over TikTok. It's all, it was, hell, we almost just played the entire song bumping into this segment. So I have a question for you. Yes. In that scenario... If you had to listen to one song on replay on on replay on your cassette tape, what song would it be 
that would save your life? See, that's a tough question because I really don't have like a favorite song. I have a bunch of different songs that I like. So I'm just going to, the, the first one that comes off the top of my head, I got to go House of the Rising Sun by The Animals. And perfect timing on that. This song right here would save you from Vecna. I believe it would. It's got that slow, epic vibe to it. It's a good choice. Yeah. It's a really good choice. Now, mine is not written in the stars by Tiny Tempa. Really? No. It is actually Mega Mondo's entrance music. And in episode two, at the Rinko Mania, Tarzan Boy by Baltimore is one of the featured songs at the skating rink. And Peyton, I kid you not, I'm marked out as if Mega Mondo was coming through that curtain. I, I got to be honest, I half expected to see Mondo as a background actor in the roller rink. That would have been incredible, but... Back in 1986, Mega Mondo, I believe, was just born, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure Mega Mondo was, was born in 1986. Or he, so. was, he was running around the jungle somewhere as a, as a little baby gorilla infant. But when Tarzan Boy, out of nowhere, I was not expecting Tarzan Boy to be featured. Because one thing about Stranger Things is the soundtrack for the first three seasons has been untouchable. I'm a sucker for 80s music. I'm a product of the 80s. I was born in 1986. So anything from the 80s, I feel like it just speaks to me. But Tarzan Boy, Mega Mondo's entrance music really captivated me. And this would be the song that I would play now, just because you saved my life from but Vecna. here's the thing: just because the song plays doesn't mean it's a guaranteed get out of Vecna's curse free card. Because as we saw with Max, she really struggled to get out of there, even with the song's help. And going back to the grandfather clock, so in reality, here's the difference between Freddy Krueger and Vecna. Freddy Krueger can only kill you in your dreams yes. when you're asleep. Vecna can kill you in reality. Well, the scariest part about Vecna, even scarier than Freddy, is with Freddy, you like you have to fall asleep for him to get there. Vecna, he literally can take over your mind at any given moment and put you in that dream state. And we don't really know, but there are a lot of theories. <laughs> Keeping my eyes on the guidance counselor, I think she has something to do with Vecna because Chrissy... And the nerd with glasses and Max have all received guidance counseling. And we don't know for a fact if Patrick, who was on the basketball team, did or not. But he could have. They might not have shown that to us to keep us wondering or guessing. But keep your eyes on. I think her name's Miss Kelly. Keep her. Keep your eyes on the guidance counselor. Yeah. I think that she could possibly be working with Vecna yeah. and giving Vecna these kids for him to kill. Cool. So... Keep your eyes on that. That's a theory. And that's another thing. What do you think is going to happen in volume two of Stranger Things? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add my own twist on that question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send it back to you. Who do you think is going to die at the end of this season? Steve Harrington. You just stole my answer because that is exactly what I was thinking. I think this season is going to end in the back half with Steve sacrificing himself either to save Nancy to save Nancy or because I or I was going to say Dustin just because Nancy might be a little too predictable. Well, right now Nancy is in the upside down. That's true. Vecna didn't pull her in there. She went in there when she was trying to get back yeah. into Hawkins. So she fell in to the upside down and now they're trying to figure out how to get her out. Yeah. Somebody's definitely going to bite the bullet though in the back half of this season. And I can just feel it. I think this is going to be a really cool scene. Eddie Munson, who has been the breakout character. Oh, absolutely. In this season, 
He's the freak. Yeah. The, the the Dungeons and Dragons freak. He's the nerd. He's the one that everyone in the town of Hawkins thinks killed Chrissy the cheerleader, but we all know that that wasn't the case. And the uh, the jerk that's the head of the basketball team, he's really adamant to prove, even though he witnessed Patrick get killed by the demons that he thinks the cult of the Hellfire Club that Dustin and yeah. Mike and, and Eddie are all a part of did it. Come on, dude. You're smarter than that. I know you're a dumb jock, but you're smarter than that. I don't even remember the kid's name. It didn't really matter. He possibly could die. I wouldn't care. Yeah. But anyways, I think another character we got to keep our eyes on is Eddie Munson. He also could potentially sacrifice himself because music yep. is the key to at the moment overcoming Vecna's powers so with that being said I think Eddie Munson is going to go into the upside down with his guitar they're going to hook it up to his amplifiers and he is going to rock and roll baby well and another thing to to close it out with that makes me think you might be right on the money there with Eddie sacrificing himself is in the finale uh, chapter 7 he made the comment he said I'm not the type of person to dive in to save somebody. He's a coward. And you don't say something like that unless by the end of the show, you're going to be the one to dive in to save somebody. And what better way to prove that you're not a coward by dying a hero? And I think that it's ultimately going to come down to Eddie Munson or a shock value death in Steve Harrington. Yeah, one or the other is going down. Well, I cannot wait. July 1st, we're going to get Volume 2 of Stranger Things. Hey, keep running up that hill because when we come back, Peyton and I are going to dive in to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Here's a heads up. We're going to spoil the first three episodes of Kenobi. You've been warned. You're listening to Episode 67 of Wells Mania Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for running wild with Peyton Payne and Wells Mania right here on episode 67 of Wells Mania podcast. And this is the badass John Williams composed entrance music for Obi-Wan Kenobi streaming on Disney Plus. And Peyton, I stayed up and I know you did too because... Pacific time is 3 a.m. our time here in Indiana. So we had to wait till 3 a.m. for part three of Obi-Wan Kenobi. But I am really glad that I did stay up and wait for this episode because this episode is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in Star Wars. What a time to be alive if you're a Star Wars fan. I, I still can't believe that I witnessed what I witnessed last night at three in the morning. I can't believe we live in a time period where we get this God tier level of Star Wars on a weekly basis. And I do it every week for the Star Wars and the Marvel shows. And I think you might agree with me. There's something about staying up till 3 a.m. and sitting in front of that TV screen and just being giddy that makes it feel so much more epic and special. I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm a night owl as is. So I'm usually still awake barely around 3 a.m. But every time that I get hyped for a new release that I know is going to drop at 3 a.m., I'll stay up and I'll watch it. And I'm really glad, like I said, I'm glad that I did because finally, finally, we get to see Darth Vader in his prime in Obi-Wan Kenobi. And yes, Peyton, Darth Vader is played by... Hayden Christensen. And he's voiced by... James Earl Jones. The best of both worlds finally collide to give us the best Darth Vader we've ever seen. 91 years old and still going strong, still sounds amazing, 
We're very blessed that James Earl Jones is still with us and still making the character of Darth Vader more iconic than ever before. And Peyton, without further ado, speaking of James Earl Jones, here's a scene from part three of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right That's just haunting. And I it's it's haunting because you can just feel the force. The force, yes, but also the terror and the sadness in his voice because I mean the person standing in front of him is a ghost to Obi-Wan. He thought Anakin was was dead and gone, and now he's just seeing this monster standing in front of him and Vader and I even texted you last night at three in the morning. Vader in this episode was like a horror movie monster. He gave me strong Michael Myers vibes, Jason Voorhees vibes. Just that scene of Darth Vader and the stormtroopers and the Inquisitors going through that little village, yes. hunting down and Vader, Obi Wan Kenobi, and Vader's just killing people snapping women kids you gotta remember anakin skywalker is pissed anakin skywalker is mad at the world he's mad at the galaxy far far away he does not care what you are what you look like he will kill you if he wants to kill you because let's face it he is arguably one of the strongest forces in the entire star wars galaxy and that scene of him going through the village and just killing off characters and dragging that poor woman and then finally sensing that obi-wan kenobi is there and then hunting him down it gave me michael myers jason Voorhees vibes it was so well done in that lightsaber fight in the dark the blue lightsaber versus the red lightsaber i was getting a new hope vibes all over yeah. again and, because you know what? we have been waiting a very long time and yeah. personally I never thought no. that we would ever get this and the fact that we got it three episodes into Kenobi I'm speechless and there will be a rematch I'm fully convinced there will be one more round in this show and I want to let's talk about the lightsaber fight for a second, because I know someone on Twitter was trying to debate you about yeah, this. And, then, and I, I sent them I <laughs> sent them your way because I knew that you would be more smart with your answer. Than I had. I could yeah. Be. But you know what? I think this is a good opportunity to explain to people that might not understand where like the, how this fight was orchestrated and why it went down the way it did. And before we put it into your explanation of why. Just think about this. Remember, you used to be an athlete, okay? Yeah. And you dedicated your life to becoming the best athlete that you could be. But then all of a sudden, you just decided one day to stop playing the sport that you love, and you have not played it for 10 years. Think about that. If you were a football player or a basketball player or a gymnast or a baseball player or a swimmer, if you stopped training at the level of eliteness that you were at and then you went back to it 10 years from now, you would not be the same version of yourself as you once were. That is what is happening right now to Obi-Wan Kenobi because Obi-Wan Kenobi hasn't touched his lightsaber in 10 years, which means Obi-Wan Kenobi has not fought in 10 years. Peyton, the mic in the floor is yours. Well, that it plays a huge part in it. And then you add other factors in there, too. And the, the reason we're bringing this up is because this wasn't really a fight. This was just an ass whooping from Vader. I mean, Vader manhandled Obi-Wan. He was one-handing this fight. He didn't even use two hands to fight him. He was literally beating him like a dog. Which was incredible. With with one hand. 
and and Obi-Wan was running for his life. And the reason that happened is, yes, he hasn't picked up the saber in 10 years, but he also hasn't used the force in 10 years. He has completely cut himself off from the force. And that was evident in episode two when he struggled to even catch Leia who's just a little girl. I mean, it took everything in his power to, to lift a little girl to stop her from falling off that building. And that's not like the Obi-Wan we know at all. He's supposed to be the super powerful Jedi. And then on top of that, you add that this guy has been living in a cave for 10 years under the, the hot suns of Tatooine and living a very malnourished life. I mean, you know he's not been eating well over those 10 years. He's aged horribly, you know, from the sons. I mean, obviously, even in a few years, I mean, A New Hope is only, what, nine years after this story, and he looks like he's like 70 in that movie. So he's obviously aging horribly because of Tatooine. And then on the flip side, you have the sheer shock value of, He's just emotionally overwhelmed with the thought of what Anakin has become. He he's he wasn't ready for this fight. He cannot even comprehend that this is his former brother standing in front of him. And Peyton, Obi-Wan Kenobi was bailed out by Tala, who was the rebel that is dressed up as an Imperial Guard that helped Obi-Wan and Leia. Well, not really, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. She helped him enough to stop him from being burned alive, which let's talk about that for a second. I was getting there. You know, Vader. You is, don't waste no time. I man. don't, man. I want to get you just jump right to it. I want to get to this fuel on the fire, literally fuel on the fire. Vader is so hell bent on revenge that revenge of the Sith. Yes. Revenge of the Sith. You're welcome. He literally, well, he knocked over like a fuel container and then lit it with his lightsaber and then told Obi-Wan. Now you will suffer as I did and drug him face first through the flames, hoping to burn him alive. Like he was burned. I mean, that is probably other than Anakin being burned in revenge of the Sith. One of the darkest moments I have ever seen in Star Wars. Darth Vader is not playing around. He wants to kill Obi-Wan Kenobi because he has it. He had a really good chance right here. And Obi-Wan was almost a goner, but like I said, got bailed out by Tala. And the scene of Vader standing there and the flames surrounding him. What an image. Oh, yeah. That right there. Thank you, John Favreau, Deborah Chow, Dave Filoni. That right there, that visual was incredible. And uh, to quote John Cena, Darth Vader is ruthless aggression. You know what? I'm going to make another John Cena comparison here. I love it. Keep it coming. The fight in this episode between Vader and Obi-Wan was essentially John Cena versus Brock Lesnar from SummerSlam. Yeah. Where Lesnar Great comparison. just squashed Cena. Vader squashed Obi-Wan in this fight. Because we know that ultimately we know that Darth Vader ends up killing Obi-Wan Kenobi. We know about that in A New Hope. We know that that's already happened. Not yet in this timeline, but we already know that that's on the horizon many, many years down the road. But I love a story of a good comeback. And that is what this is with Kenobi. Yes, you want to make your heel, your villain look strong. You want them to control a majority of the match and keep cutting off the baby faces with the heat, no pun intended, with the flames of the fire there. So, of course, Obi-Wan, it looks like he might get a little, but then Darth Vader overpowered him and ultimately won that battle but that's not the end like you said this is just the very beginning this is the third episode they did this on purpose because they know we want more always leave people wanting more that is a motto in professional wrestling because if you show them everything they've already seen it but if you give them just a little taste of what this series is going to be like 
people are going to be maybe staying up till 3 a.m. Eastern time. Well, you should be. To watch. And, and going into just predictions for the back half of the season real quick, the way I think it's going to go down is we're going to get a visit from Qui-Gon Jinn. It's coming. It's going to happen. Liam Neeson is going to be in this series, and he is going to give Obi-Wan that comeback momentum, you know, that push that he needs to become the legendary Jedi Master once again and face Darth Vader. Now, on the last episode of Wells Mania podcast, we were talking about other characters that we would love to see that are still possibly able to make an appearance or a return. And we got one with Jimmy Smith's Jimmy Smith's character. He repraised his role as what's Senator Bail Organa. Thank you. Princess Leia's dad, not yes. real adopted dad, father. Adopted father. We all know who her real dad is. <gasps> Leia, I am your father pretty good right there right yeah anyways so yeah i'm still keeping my eyes open for yoda i think yoda is gonna make an appearance in kenobi i don't know you know what i I don't know when but i think that yoda is going to make an appearance and i can't wait for it because yoda is my favorite star wars character i would love and this is just me just dreaming out loud here i would love to see obi-wan go to dagobah to try to get advice from Yoda, and that's where Qui-Gon's ghost comes into play. That right there is brilliant. Like, let Obi-Wan essentially be the Luke Skywalker in this series and go to Dagobah, train with Yoda, learn how to talk to Qui-Gon, and then go and fight Vader. I love it. I absolutely love it. Next Wednesday, 3 a.m. in the morning, Disney Plus, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're not going to want to miss it. If you love the OG Star Wars movies, if you love the prequels of Star Wars, Obi-Wan is the series that was made for you. And yes, I'm going to go back and rewatch Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan Kenobi because that scene is badass. Now, speaking of hell and fire, this Sunday, WWE live from the state right next door in Illinois. Hell in a cell. Peyton Payne and I are going to break it down when we come back. You're listening to episode 67 of Wells Mania Podcast. Thank you all so much for running wild with Peyton Payne and I right here on episode 67 of Wells Mania Podcast and live from the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois this Sunday, WWE Hell in a Cell. Peyton, are you looking forward to Hell in a Cell? I might be after you tell me what the card is. Well, I'm glad you uh, are here because I am about to reveal in no particular order the matches that are on the card for this Sunday at Hell and a Sal. Kane is not on the card. Dang it. So in no particular order, we're going to start with the United States title. It's on the line. The champion is Theory, and he's going up against Mustafa Ali. This is pretty simple to me. I don't even have to pay attention to the storyline to tell you that Theory is probably going to retain this because didn't he just win the title not too long ago? And they're 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 building him up to be a bigger star. I I think this is an easy retention for Theory. Apparently, Vince McMahon sees a lot of John Cena in Theory. So with that being said, Theory, you got a bright future ahead of you. By the way, we are in Cena month. All month long here in June is Cena month. So, yeah, I agree. I think Theory is going to retain the United States title. And I actually tweeted this out a couple weeks ago. And I believe WWE Human Encyclopedia Jared Giles uh, texted me and said that this is actually in the works. I came up with this idea to remember how John Cena 
made the U.S. title the spinner belt. And that was the first time that we ever saw the spinner title. Well, I think we're going to get kind of Theory's version of that with a phone engraved in the United States title. So that way, every time he takes a selfie, he's holding up the United States title, looking in the title, but at the phone. I don't know. That's just something that I could see that the creative ideas running wild throughout the Hoosier Dome. I, I could see that either being really good or overly bad and cheesy. Well, we'll find out. It was just an idea. But who, then again, who knows if it's going to happen, the or not. United States title is so discredited now that, I mean, they could really do anything with it and it can't get any lower. So might as well just do what you got with it. What about the two-on-one handicap match, Bobby Lashley versus Omas and MVP? Lashley's going to win this one. I think so, too. I mean, don't get me wrong. Omas is going to be fine taking the L, but well, to complete this MVP is going to take the L. Yeah, yeah. To complete this feud, Bobby Lashley has to go over, and let's face it, both of these guys need to move on and get out of this storyline because yeah. – this is where this storyline concludes at Hell in a Cell. Yeah, and and if Omos doesn't actually eat the pin or the submission, he'll be fine. I think that's why MVP is in this match. So Lashley can finally get his hands on him and make him, make him submit to that. What is it? What does he call it? The Hurt Lock? Yeah, the Hurt Lock. Yeah, he'll make MVP tap, and then Lashley can go off and do other things. Ezekiel, Elias's younger brother. Ezekiel versus Kevin Owens. Would you like to hear my theory about this match? I have a feeling I know where you're going to go with it, but yes, please hit me. So Kevin Owens and several other WWE superstars, Becky Lynch is one of them, they all believe that Ezekiel is Elias, and Ezekiel's just in denial or playing it off like he's not. Well, I truly believe that we are going to see Elias this Sunday and Elias is going to help Ezekiel win this match now does that mean somebody else is going to come out that looks like Elias maybe are we going to get Elias up on the titantron yes I ultimately think that Elias will send a message that will distract KO and KO will be in disbelief that he sees Elias, who he has been accusing Ezekiel of being this entire time. That is my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Elias is going to help Ezekiel win, defeating Kevin Owens this Sunday. Yeah, I I had a feeling that's where you were going to go with it, and that's out there. But let's face it, WWE storytelling has been so out there lately that that that's probably the route they're going to go. So I'm going to agree with you. I think Elias somehow, let's face it. We all know Ezekiel is the same guy as Elias. I don't know, man. I really think that they're not. You can keep thinking that I'm, I'm sticking with KO, but they're the same guy. I don't know. You stick to your side. I'll stick with KO. Elias will somehow help Ezekiel win this match. I knew you see it my way. How about the triple threat for the WWE Raw Women's title? The champ is Bianca Belair versus Asuka versus Becky Lynch. I think that Bianca Belair is going to retain. I don't think it's time for her to drop the title just yet. And really, that's all I got for this match. Bianca Belair, still the Raw Women's champ. Yeah, Belair is going to win this one. Um you know, I, I, I'm. They're definitely not going to give it to Becky because I think I think we're getting kind of bored with Becky. Honestly, we all we all you know, are. I'm not. Most people are. I love Becky Lynch. Most people and are she loves tired me. She once told me that she loves me. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure she meant it too. She did. Uh, we all know they don't trust Oscar enough to give her the title, so. They're going to keep it on Bel Air. I was really hoping that this would be inside the Hell in a Cell, but it's not. I think it should. Maybe it will be by the time Sunday rolls around. But unfortunately, there's only one Hell in a Cell match on the entire card. We'll get there. We'll get there in just a second. The next match is a six-person mixed tag team match, and it's Finn Balor, AJ Styles, and Liv Morgan 
versus the Judgment Day, Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley. I think Judgment Day has to win this. I think I think Edge is gonna is gonna go three for three over AJ Styles. I think Judgment Day has to win this. If they don't, you're killing the momentum of the group. I agree. Judgment Day is going to win, and not only are they going to win, but they are going to recruit Finn Balor. I think the demon is going to be controlled by Edge See, and Judgment Day. Now, but to me, I, I love where you're going there, but, and this is just me thinking this. I mean, WWE, they, they go the predictable route a lot, but is, the, is that too predictable that Finn Balor would be the guy? I mean, I feel like that's the, that's the one where everybody would be like, it's going to be Finn. All right. Well, how about this? A returning Bray Wyatt now joins that, the Judgment Day. That would be even better. Because there are, there are, take this for what you will, rumors and rumblings. And I've said this all along, that Bray Wyatt is not done with WWE. It's been all a part of his return, but they've just been strategically waiting for the right time and the right moment to bring him back. This Judgment Day faction really has me interested to see if Bray Wyatt is either A, going to join it, or B, compete against it. So you don't think that they would wait for like SummerSlam to have that big reveal? I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a place where they could do it, but if you really what wanted if they to go surprise people, they could do it right here. What what? There's not a rule that says there only has to be four members. What if something like Balor does join and then SummerSlam comes around and you also get Bray Wyatt? Go full-blown Ministry of Darkness with this thing. I mean, there were like 10 dudes in the Ministry of Darkness. Yeah. Make this a, a legit tour de force in the WWE. Have them dominate everything. But as far as Sunday goes, I really think that Finn Balor is going to be recruited as the fourth member to Judgment Day. Now that takes us to the Hell in a Cell match, the main event, Cody Rhodes versus Seth freaking Rollins, and yours truly predicted this match happening a long time ago, so just another reason well, why. Well, can we just say for a second, so far, you and I have been right on the money with our bucket of Cody Rhodes' journey up to SummerSlam. Yeah, just another reason why it pays to listen to the most underrated wrestling podcast in the world, Wells Mania Podcast. Now, this one to me is easy. Cody Rhodes is going to win this match to complete this feud, and then he's going to move on to a new opponent. Whether that be, who knows, Edge or somebody else on the Raw roster. Have you noticed that every match that I've thrown out here has pretty much been a Raw match? There are no SmackDown matches on the card as of right now, but I don't think it really matters anymore. I think the brand split is coming to an end. It never goes the way that WWE thinks it's going to go. Yes, the draft is a cool idea, superstars getting drafted, but the whole point of superstars being drafted is if they stay on the show that they're drafted on. Yeah, you WWE want crosses the superstars all the time. They do. And you're left there wondering, well, I thought so-and-so was on Raw, or I thought so-and-so was on SmackDown, but here they are showing up every Friday and Monday night. The only time the draft worked was back in the era of like 2005 to 2007 or eight when Raw and SmackDown felt like their own separate worlds, um, and, and it just doesn't feel that way anymore. But to go to my prediction, I agree. Cody Rhodes is going to make it three for three. He's going to pull the win out. He has to win this match. This this is going to be a huge win for Cody. He's going to move on from Seth, and the next stop is money in the bank, and I'm sticking to my guns with our book it. After he beats Seth in Hell in a Cell, Cody is going to win the money in the bank ladder match. I agree, man. You and I have been doing a tremendous job booking Cody Rhodes. And who knows, man, somebody at WWE might be listening to the Wells Mania podcast, and we've been giving them all sorts of amazing ideas because everything that we've said about Cody Rhodes 
has been unfolding right before our very eyes. Yeah, and can we just talk real quick about uh, past the predictions? I don't know how I feel about none of the bloodline being on this card. Um, I, I don't know. Is that? Do you think that's because they just legitimately don't have any challengers for Roman anymore? They don't have any viable threats for him so they're just like we'll just keep him off the card or is there other reasons they don't even have the usos on the card who just you know brought the tag titles together to become the undisputed tag team champions i don't really like that i feel like that kind of brings a lackluster feeling to this pay-per-view i think ultimately the usos are going to defend the tag team titles against riddle and nakamura that's the new tag team with randy orton being and I'm using air quotes, injured, because we all know Randy Orton will be a credible threat to Roman Reigns, but you got to save that for SummerSlam. So writing off Randy Orton right now is actually, I think, really smart on WWE because you got to wait till August, and, well, we're still a couple months away from August. So if you write Randy Orton off to the side, he could be the next credible threat for Roman Reigns, but as far as Sunday goes, yeah, Roman Reigns at the moment doesn't have an opponent, which I think he possibly could show up after Cody Rhodes defeats Seth Rollins, and that could start that kind of, oh my God, we're actually going to get Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns. I think they might tease us in that regard, so keep your eyes on Roman Reigns appearing in the main event after Cody Rhodes beats Seth Rollins. At least that's the way I would book it. If you're not going to have Roman Reigns on the show, at least have him featured in the main event after Rollins loses to Cody. So the big question here, because I don't want to get too far ahead, but I got to ask you. Right, because we're about to go home. We are. Do they wait? Because you just said you think that Randy is going to be the next big opponent for Roman going into August. Do they wait until WrestleMania to give us Cody versus Roman or do they give it to us at SummerSlam? We're getting Roman versus rock at WrestleMania. And I have tweeted this out numerous times. The way that I would book it personally is I would have Randy Orton defeat Roman reigns at SummerSlam to become a 15 time world champion. Because if you look at everybody that's left on the roster that could be a credible threat for Roman Reigns, there are two names that come to mind, Randy Orton and Cody Rhodes. But Peyton, here is something really cool that I think WWE should do. Somebody has to end Roman Reigns' reign as the champ, and I think that somebody is... Randy Orton, arguably one of the greatest superstars of all time. He's getting very close to tying Ric Flair and John Cena's world title record. If you have Randy Orton beat Roman Reigns at SummerSlam, and then you have Cody Rhodes cash in the money in the bank on Randy Orton to become the new undisputed WWE champion, I think that right there is a amazing way to book the finish to SummerSlam because now you're freeing up Roman Reigns for a new path that ultimately is going to end with him versus The Rock at WrestleMania. Who we now know has no movie productions happening in the first quarter of next year. That match is happening. We're getting that match, and this is a perfect way to start that build because I believe you've said this time and time again, Roman Reigns versus The Rock doesn't need a title on the line because you've got the Samoan bloodline who is the real tribal chief of the family. That is the storyline, and that's all that you need that to be. Yeah. And it'll be a Hollywood blockbuster. No, the the, the goal there, the title on the line would almost get in the way. The, the championship in that story is who sits at the head of the table. And now that you have Randy Orton beating Roman Reigns to become a 15-time world champion, it makes you believe that Randy is going to get this really nice run as the new 
undisputed WWE champion, but then Cody Rhodes cashes in the Money in the Bank briefcase, beats Randy Orton. There's your legacy little throwback right there. Cody Rhodes ultimately stands tall to close out SummerSlam, and then we start getting all sorts of new, fresh feuds with the undisputed WWE title. That's the way that I would do it. So we had a little impromptu fantasy booking, little book it here on episode 67 of Wells Mania Podcast. Now, Peyton, I have to close out the show with Kate Bush's running up that hill. I mean, you had to. It's like you just said, you had to do There was no other song in in the world that would have fit the closing of this podcast. Because this right here is the number one song in the world. And before we sign off, Peyton, where can people find you on social media? You can find me at Stone Pain Prod on Twitter and also at Smashmouth WWT. Make sure you go like and subscribe to Wrestle With This so you don't miss WWT Showcase 41 coming out this Sunday. And thank you again to WWT World Champion Ravishing Anton for blessing the podcast and making this a rated ravishing episode. Good luck in your match. I know you think you don't need it, but good luck anyways, pal. I cannot wait for WWT Showcase 41 this Sunday. Hell in a Cell this Sunday as well. And of course, I cannot wait for next Wednesday, part four of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And come on, July 1st, volume two of Stranger Things. Let's go. Happy Cena month to everybody. Until next episode, run wild, stay positive, follow Wells Mania all over the social media world and dominate the day and keep running up that hill.